eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own? Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It's Friday, February 10th. It is the Friday before Super Bowl weekend. I know you're really excited. I know I am. I have been reading a ridiculous amount of information on high ankle sprains. That's what I've done as I prepare for the Super Bowl. I'm worried about Patrick Mahomes. Mark, did you read that article in the Times? I think it was the Times about the woman who was like the personal, the trainer who kind of got him back on his, patched him up to get him on the field. No, did not see that. That was so good. Basically, this very, um, very interesting woman who works in the training room for Kansas City and credited for basically getting him on the field. So I don't know what she did. Good luck to both of your teams, whoever you are rooting for. Okay, let's do some emails. This is from Jennifer who writes, my husband and I are in our mid-40s. We've got gross earnings of $320,000 annually. We're trying to balance savings between the thrift savings plan, our 401k, and 529 accounts. Okay. Jennifer goes on to say they were a little bit late in starting their savings. They were paying off their own college loans. But in the last five years, they've made a lot of progress. They've got a senior in high school, a freshman in high school, and the youngest in middle school. Okay. Here's what they have. $830,000 in combined thrift savings plan and 401k, 135 grand in combined 529 accounts. Wow. I don't, I mean, you started late, but you're doing well. They are not maxing out contributions to their retirement, 10 to 15% annually is what they save and they get an employer match. They think college costs will be 30 grand annually. They plan to fund half of the cost through savings. Based on our income, we're in the 24% married filing jointly tax bracket. 
What percentage distribution between traditional and Roth would make sense in order for us to continue to save aggressively in 529 towards kids' college in the most tax-efficient way? I recently stopped adding to my oldest 529 account, but I still contribute $1,200 monthly to the younger two um, kids' 529s. They live in Virginia. They've got state tax deductions of four grand annually per each 529 account. Oh, well, wait a second. If that's the case, don't I would put the money in the older kids' account too. Wouldn't you, Mark? I mean, why not? It says we have four accounts per each 529. You get four grand annually per each 529 account. Even if you just threw it into the cash account, wouldn't that be better than putting it in cash outside? Yeah, it's like uh, capturing the employee match. I would take the deduction. Absolutely. Um, Okay. So that's number one. Keep putting money into the oldest kid's account, at least up to that $4,000 annual state tax deduction. So here's the question. What should the investment priority be for tax efficiency and in order to have more money to pay for kids college? So I think she's saying, should we continue to invest our retirement accounts pre-tax so we have cash flow to fund the college costs versus doing, you know, Roth contributions at work, which would decrease their available cash flow. I think they should still do the Roth, but that's just me. Well, right now they're putting in 10 or 15%. I think what I'm not understanding is, is that money going into the Roth version of the TSP and the 401k, or is that going into traditional right now? I think it's traditional, right? Yeah, I think so too. They're comfortably in the 24%. Uh, I think you might be right, Mark. Maybe you should do half and half. Why doesn't one of you do a Roth and the other one do um, the traditional? They're not going down to the 22%. They're in the 24% solidly, um, which is the bracket starts at one, just uh, 191 and it goes up to 364. We don't really know a lot of other stuff. So we don't know whether you have money that is sitting in any brokerage account. We don't know if you have an emergency reserve fund, but I think if you're feeling a little bit wobbly about that, maybe what I would start with is one of you use the Roth option and the other one do the pre-tax option and see how it goes and see what the availability is of your cash flow. It sounds like you got a lot of money in there. Yeah, they already, they almost have a million dollars. I'm guessing that's pre-tax. They live in Virginia. They have a TSP. I'm guessing somebody's going to have a pension. So they're going to have a lot of income later on down the road. So I I would like to get some Roth savings going on. Why don't we start with that? And how about if one of you does Roth, see how your cash flow adjusts. And then if you can do it, then maybe the next year you go all Roth. But I think they need a little bit of a, I think they might need an adjustment period, Mark it would be a little bit jarring to their cash flow to go all in right this second. Just my guess. But try it out. Why don't you do one of you and see how it goes? Okay. This is, oh, I don't even know. What is that name? This is a long name. So we're just going to say, okay, Bart. That's good. Bart's subject. Where do I put my next dollar? Uh, I'm 48 years old. I'm single and I file head of household. I have a daughter starting high school and the other one starting college. I make around $200,000 a year. I'm sort of overworking in the traditional sense. I'm looking for a great money reset in about five years. I have no someone who wrote a book about that. I have about $950,000 in 401k and Roth accounts, about three quarters of which is pre-tax. I have $750,000 in a brokerage account. Wow. 
The house is worth $450,000. There's a $70,000 outstanding home equity line of credit, and I'm paying that down aggressively. There's a second home worth about $350,000. It has a $210,000 outstanding mortgage at three and a quarter percent. Oh, I'm considering selling my primary residence and moving to the second home. That sounds good. If I don't, I can turn it into a cash flow positive rental because it's in a resort area. There's no pension. My social security at age 70 is projected to be $4,500 a month, although this could be impacted by me downshifting in a few years. I doubt it because it's based on your 10 highest years of earnings. Um, my goal is to spend most of my 50s working half time, which is feasible during due to my field. Okay, so let's see what we got. I max out my 401k pre-tax and my HSA. My company's plan offers in-plan conversions, and that allows me to invest after-tax money that immediately gets rolled into a Roth, and that greatly expands the ordinary contribution limits. That's the old mega backdoor Roth. When I have additional money to invest, should I put it in my brokerage account, which is managed by Vanguard, or put it into the Roth? My plan has great low-cost options. I'm planning my annual spend in pre-retirement to be about $90,000. I haven't gotten your book yet, but look forward to reading it. Well, you better get it if you want to read it. Come on now. Let's go, Bart. So, Mark, let's see here. What do we have? He makes $200 a year. He's got this. He's got a lot of money saved. He seems to be in quite good shape. Should he put more money in his Roth or conversely, should he put it in a brokerage account? What do you think? He's got a lot in the brokerage account already. Yeah, 750 Plan allows for the backdoor Roth. I, I would probably do that. I would do the Roth also because I think you're in good shape. And it sounds to me like the, the plan, your plan of action, your kind of off-ramp is a really good one. So I dig that. Um, okay. This is from Steve who writes, Dear Ms. Schlesinger, someone who doesn't listen to the pod. This is somebody who um, saw this, saw me mentioned in an NPR article written about the book by my friend Patty Hirsch. Remember Patty Hirsch from... NPR. He's so great. Okay. So Steve says, I'm currently an administrative assistant for a two-year college in the Chicago area. I've been in the role for 25 years. Three years ago, a colleague who held the ESL manager position resigned, mostly due to the hiring decision of a senior manager who he actually hired to teach for him in the ESL program. Okay. For some crazy reason that I still don't understand, they really didn't get along in the supervisory manager roles. Ever since the manager left, the chaos in the department is remarkable. It really has fallen apart after his departure. I'm questioning why I even accepted this job. It used to be very rewarding helping students learn English. Now it's a burden. There's no more fun to the job. It's always been a bit dysfunctional. Now it's worse. If we had better health insurance not provided by employers, I'd be out of here. This is a very important aspect of why I'm having to stay. It sucks, but that's life. Well, Steve, you know what? That does suck. Here's what I think. I think when you feel stuck in one of these kinds of um, these jobs, the way you feel unstuck is to really pick your head up and say like, you know what? Is there somewhere else I can go? I don't know. I mean, you've been in this role for 25 years, but I hate to think that you have to be in this horrible situation when you have a skill. 
So I always feel better when I'm at least exploring different options. When, even when, you know, like even I think about myself, like I think about like marketing the book, like, by the way, I tried to get on lots of different NPR podcasts. I tried to get on different things and people would say no. And then someone says yes, and you feel good. But by doing something every single day, you feel so much better. So I would start thinking about that. I know 25 years is a long time, but you might be working for another 10 or 15 years anyway. So I don't know. I'd love to know more about you. Feel free to follow up with us and see if we can help you out even more. Okay. This is from Jay who says, hi, Jill and Mark. I'm a big fan. I'm a daily listener. Thanks for all you do. I'm 44 years old. I'm a single woman with no kids. I'd like to have a good plan ready for care and finances in my older years. So I'm looking at long-term care insurance policies. Does it make sense to buy a long-term care insurance policy from Nationwide for which I'll pay 10 grand a year for 10 years that guarantees cash indemnity of $3,000 a month for five years with 5% inflation adjustment? Can I trust that Nationwide will still be in business to pay out when it's needed years from now? Let me start with that question. Yes, that I think you will be safe with. But whether you need this insurance or not, I'm not sure because let's go through these numbers. So uh, Jay, again, she's 44 years old. She's single. She has no kids. She makes 230 grand a year. She's got 500 grand in a 401k, a traditional, $100,000 in a Roth, $25,000 in brokerage index funds, and $10,000 in emergency fund. She puts um, money into her 401k. She does a backdoor Roth IRA. She puts away a few hundred bucks a week in a brokerage account. She'll have a pension. Okay. Can I just be clear? You're, you're going to have a pension at $5,000 a month at age 58. The cost of living adjustment kicks in at age 62. And on top of that, she will have a social security benefit of $3,400 that starts at age 70. She will be converting her traditional to a Roth slowly for the 12 years between age 58 and 70. You ready for this? The expenses are seven grand a month. So you ready? Here's a deal. No, don't buy the long-term care policy. You don't need it. You have income. What's the worst thing that happens? You're you're single. You're not. What are you saving your money for? I mean, there's no reason for you to get long term care insurance. There's just none. You you. What I think you're trying to, you're what you're trying to plan for is that you want you want to make sure you have care. You don't need someone to pay for that care, and that's something you can buy. But you need to actually be really serious about rolling your sleeves up and getting your information about like, what would I do? What would I need if something bad were to happen? You don't have to worry about the money. You don't need it. It's it's like you're in a great shape. You will support yourself. And if you needed care that was more than your, let's call it $8,400 a month in income, then you have money. You'll dip into your, your savings. You're fine. And to be in even better shape, so she makes two hundred and thirty grand. She's only contributing five percent. It's eleven thousand dollars. So if she was going to find ten thousand dollars a year to pay for this policy, well, instead of doing that, up your contribution to your retirement plan in a Roth. There you go. Perfect. By the way, she says any. She hasn't had any luck with a financial advisor. Do you need one? I'm not sure you need one. I'm really not. So I want to know. Do you hate managing your own money? I am not sure that you need an advisor. All right, here's, um, this is the last question. This is from Mary. Listen to this. What should my net worth be if I'm looking to retire from my crazy stressful job in 2025 and move from New Jersey to Ireland? I don't know. How much Guinness do you drink? I mean, that's the big factor here, isn't it, Mark? That's the unknown. Or uh, Bushmills or whatever it is. 
<laughs> I like Bushmills. Okay. At the time I retire, I will be just shy of 63 years old. My net worth is now $1.7 million, minimal cash. She's got like 25 grand in cash. Her all-in wage is $250,000. What should I do to build up cash in the next two years? What should my net worth be in order to live another 25 years? I don't know. How much do you spend? Isn't that the missing piece right now? We, re- I mean, I made the joke about how much uh, Guinness or Bushmills do you drink. Um, the first thing you want to do is stop contributing to a retirement plan and build up your cash. In the next two years, just put in whatever your match is at your organization and, and start building up cash. Would you be selling a home? Would that add to your net worth? I'd like to know what your social security benefit would be. I presume you don't have a pension because you didn't mention one, but we can't tell you what your net worth should be unless you tell us what the needs are for your spending. See how important that is? That's chapter two, Mark, consumption. All right. I think that's it. That's the program. Thank you so much for listening. You know, on Fridays, we love to do our business. But first, I want to remind you that all of our content lives at jillonmoney.com. So if you've got a question, just click the contact us button. Let us know if you'd like to come on the air. While you're there, sign up for the free weekly newsletter. And of course, please purchase my new book, The Great Money Reset. I'm not going to stop talking about this till I get much larger numbers. And I mean, like a lot larger. Don't you want to stop listening to me pump this book up? Just buy the book and I'll shut up about it. Really, I will eventually. Not now, though. Uh, Okay, so let's do our business. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Karen Cranick is our web queen. Mark Talercio is the best executive producer in the world. We are distributed by Cadence 13. We like to remind you to lift someone up because it really will make someone else feel good and it will make you feel good. Our mantra in 2023, it's the subtitle of my book, change your work, change your wealth, change your life. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Do you know a high schooler who is a natural leader and loves to give back to their community? The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's Student Visionaries of the Year program might be the perfect opportunity. Forming strong teams to support them, Student Visionaries of the Year candidates fundraise for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. This seven-week philanthropic leadership development program helps students gain valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship. Not to mention, it looks great on college applications. But most importantly, it's a chance for students to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on the lives of blood cancer patients and their families. Learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students.